Yeah, look, I think the first thing you need to get your head around is um, what the French pension system is, how it operates, and what Macron is trying to do, um, because it's quite different from the Australian system. So in Australia, um, obviously, we've got like a, a universal pension um, that everybody's entitled to, regardless of how rich or poor they are, but it's not enough to live on. Um, so to have a dignified, well, not, 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 with, not, not in comfort anyway, um, and so in order to be able to live in, in, in comfort, um, you know, we essentially have a privatised system of pension that sits on top of that, which is superannuation. Now, in France, it's different. In France, you do get, everyone gets paid a different pension based on their, um, on their, on their working salary, so on, on the job that they, that they used to do. Um, and basically, it's, if, if you work in the public sector, your pension is like a fixed percentage of what your salary was when you fit when you stop working. So your you know your highest pay grade. That's how it works for public sector workers. Uh, and then for private sector workers, it's based on um, your best twenty five years of work. You know your your highest paid twenty five years. They they are taken as the, the yardstick for the for the percentage of your annual you know your what was your annual sort of average income that you would then be paid as a pension. So it operates like that. Um, employers pay into the fund. Um, and, you know, all those, while those funds are invested and stuff happens with them, similar to like superannuation, nonetheless, the state guarantees um, the income that you'll get, you know. So if you put in X, you know you'll get Y, um, which, of course, doesn't happen with a completely marketised or privatised pension system like with our superannuation or pensions in the United States. So sorry for going into that rather lengthy background about how it works. Um, the the other thing, then, then essentially what Macron is proposing to do is is to replace that system with one where you get um, your pension is based on a, on a sort of a pro rata point system. So based on how much you earn, you you'll accumulate points, uh, and those points will then translate into a claim. Um, you know, a, a proportionate claim on, on on the on the pension pension fund in the future. Now, for most people, uh, that is going to involve a significant uh, drop in their in in, in their pension, um, and it means they'll need to top it up with with with, with, with a private pension. That's the first thing, and then the second thing is that the system will severely disadvantage those workers who've had to dip in and out of paid work over their lifetime. Um, and that is most typically women who've had to drop out of uh, work um, to care for kids, to care for elderly parents, to care for sick relatives, people with disabilities, that sort of stuff. So um, that's, that's why people are so angry about it. Um, the, the government's also talking about raising the pension age. And then finally, um, there's a number of workers who get to retire, or categories of workers who get to retire a couple of years earlier in France as compensation for having done shift work all their lives. So um, two good examples would be railway workers and nurses. Um, so, and Macron has kind of spearheaded his, um, his attack on the current pension system with language about getting rid of the, the special privileges for these workers, you know, and trying to make other workers feel, you know, jealous or um, angry that these other these workers get so-called special privileges. Um, they get to retire two years earlier. Um, yeah, you look at the um, scientific studies doing doing a um, a lifetime of shift work can actually take ten years off your lifespan. So it's not much of a privilege. Um, but that's that's 
I guess, the broad background to the, mm. the, the, the change that Macron is trying to introduce and why there has been such a massive, massive response to it. Probably the biggest, um, amongst railway workers in particular, the biggest um, uninterrupted strike action um, since the Second World War, I think. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. And, you know, as you mentioned there, the railway workers, you know, workers at the state-owned SNCF railways and the Paris Transport Network, the RATP, began their industrial action way back on uh, December 5th. But they've now very much been joined by teachers, hospital staff and other public sector workers. And there's also been, uh, even now, Air France's second largest pilots union has called on its members to join the strikes. From what you understand, how widespread are these strikes and how many people and unions are getting involved? Yeah, look, it's, that's, that's a complicated question to answer because you could say that the, um, you know, people will, will, you know, will shorthand it by saying France has been on strike since December 5th. Now, that's not quite true. Certainly the strike movement has been going on since, since December the 5th. The only sector that has been on sort of like continuous strike since September the 5th, so, sorry, December the 5th, um, is, is the railway workers. Um, who are kind of traditionally France's most militant, unionised um, workforce, basically. So, you know, in, in French terms, you know, think of them as being sort of France's equivalent of the CFMU or something like that. And also the desire of, of French capitalists to smash them as, as being equivalent to, you know, Maggie Thatcher's desire to knock off the, the, the miners in, in the 1980s in Britain. So... I guess you could say railway workers have been very much been at the, at the, at the kind of leading edge of it. Um, and other sectors um, have had, you know, days of strike here and there scattered all over the, scattered all over the place. Um, but with people coming together for combined, um, you know, days of national strike on three occasions so far since December 5. So, so it varies across sector and, in, and, and, and the intensity of it varies across sector as well. Um, so it is generalising, it is spreading, um, and it's going to need to if it's going to win because neither side has blinked yet. I mean, this is the the last time this was tried was back in uh, well something similar was back in 1995 when there was just an absolute you know there was a huge strike strike movement, um, and and in the end the government blinked and backed down. Now this this movement is now bigger than that, um, but conversely Macron has also not back down yet either so it, it's it could go either way it's on a knife edge and so for the it's very important for the success of this movement that it that that dynamic of generalizing continues to happen and it's still yeah like i say it's still kind of hanging in the balance um in terms of public opinion um or just just to wind things back a little bit so that the, the other sectors where it's been quite significant has been like oil refineries um oil workers that have been blockades of oil refineries, that kind of thing, electricity workers. Also, workers taking creative action to sort of spread the strike to other areas. So um, before Christmas, you might have seen the, um, the really cheerful news that um, electricity workers cut off power to Amazon's main, you know, warehouse distribution point, which basically buggered Amazon's, um, you know, Christmas delivery schedule. So there's been some cool stuff like that happening. Um, so back to public opinion, at the moment... Um, According to the opinion polls I've read in, you know, like in mainstream newspapers, 61% of the population think that the strike action is justified and 75% think that the government should abandon its project. So that's, that's where public opinion is hanging at the moment. 
Certainly, and things don't uh, appear to be backing down anytime soon. Uh, even even today, there's a, a, a plan of, I guess, a show of strength from the unions with uh, many workers from public and private sectors uh, going to be coming out and also blockading of refineries and so forth. I guess, I guess talking about the, the political composition of these strikes, though, of course, this all comes on the back of the, the yellow vest or yellow jacket movement that's been, I think, you know, quite incredible and inspiring for many of us here in Australia and elsewhere around the world. Uh, I believe you know the, the ongoing demonstrations on the on the Saturdays are continuing, and and there's uh, from what I've heard from friends on the ground and involved, there's been somewhat of a convergence of, of movements. There's been at times when uh, the you know student strikers have joined up with yellow vest demonstrators, and yellow vest demonstrators have have uh, very much been uh, joined by those uh, in, in the strike, the current strike movements. I mean, what what do you make of the, the general sort of political, uh, I guess. Um, or the the general politics of the of these strikes and and I guess the potential for them to to move beyond uh, just being about pension reform and to potentially take on a, a more revolutionary character whether that be in conjunction with movements such as the yellow vest or the the students for, that are striking around uh, for, for the climate yeah look at, I mean you know step one for this movement would be to get Macron to um, withdraw um, his you know, just just you know, take this off the table altogether. Um, and you know, him, he, he and his ministers have sort of tried to play by the rule a little bit um, and tried to negotiate with more, you know, more conservative, uh, unique confederations around compromises, around the edges, that, that sort of stuff. For the most part, the, 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 the strike movement is hanging together pretty well and, and, and saying, no, it's all got to go. We're not negotiating on this, that sort of stuff. Um, you know, it was... I mean, just just as an aside, um, you know, one of the sectors um, who get to retire a little bit early because they have to do shift work, um, for whom Macron's proposal to you know make them make the same rules apply to everyone else was that that they did they they did decide to take off the table. Surprise, surprise, was the police when the police complained about the, their retirement age being pushed up by a couple of years. They um, Macron recognised pretty quickly that um, he, he needed to keep them on side. Um, so that was taken that was taken off the table for the police. And Macron is still trying to negotiate with some of the more conservative federations around the edges. But like I said, that hasn't hasn't had any significant effect um, at this stage. And that, the question of the police is important too because it, 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 it kind of segues to, to your question about the yellow vest. So it's important to understand that the yellow vest movement has not gone away. Like, it never stopped. Um, it's continued on every weekend uh, for, you know, over a year now. Now, it's certainly true that the numbers at the mobilisation, um, you know, dropped right down um, from the hundreds of thousands, you know, to the hundreds and, you know, ones and twos of thousands, that, that kind of thing. Um, in the face of, well, in the face of two things, one was absolutely fierce police repression um, by Macron. And secondly, because uh, it did also show up the weakness of the French trade union movement, you know, as much as the French unionism is more militant and more combative than, combative than it is in Australia, also, nonetheless, the major trade union federations failed to, you know, mobilise jointly with the Yellow Vest and really deliver a knockout blow to Macron. Um, so, the, so in, in, in that context, you know, the Yellow Vest movement sort of it ebbed down, but it never went away. And what, what in particular never went away was the real kind of the core of activists who'd organised it um, and who, you know, remained committed to the cause, that kind of thing. And so now with this, this, this strike wave has, has sort of seen that sort of surge back up again and, and for the Yellow Vest... Come, come back onto the street as well um, and, and, and do some good creative actions as well, like they basically, you know, flooded the Champs-Élysées for the traditional New Year's Eve kind of um, 
uh, you know, celebrations, that kind of thing. So, and that's really important because one thing that the Yellow Vest movement did is, is it really succeeded in reaching out to and mobilising those sections of the working class that are often not unionised because there is no union, um, but who are still angry and want to find a way of expressing their frustration. And so their frustration, because they might be you know, casual, casual workers working three part-time jobs in a nursing home or doing subcontractors, you know, delivering parcels or something like that, um, was basically the block roundabouts. You know, it was, it was their way of going on strike. Um, and so I think, I think the possibility of those two threads coming back together is, is really important because, as you say, um, step one will be, to, will be to knock off this pension reform with no concessions. Um, but it's really you know, important to build on that momentum. I mean, I hope they build on that momentum and, and can then push forward and engender a greater crisis in, in in Macron's presidency, I mean, if they if the pension reform gets still so dead, then that his presidency will be in crisis anyway. Um, but his his you know at the moment, he, you know, his even though his ministers are wobbling and contradicting each other and that sort of stuff, he's sort of trying to give off the aura that he he is going to be France's Margaret Thatcher and sort of tough this out. So at that kind, you know, it remains to be seen. Hopefully the, the momentum around the protest will continue long enough for you know, universities to come back because obviously the sort of protest and blockade and occupation and that sort of stuff by university students and, and um, senior high school students you know, doesn't happen so much over Christmas New Year. But you know, they don't have a long summer break over Christmas New Year like we do, so hopefully that, that will sort of come into, come into fore again as well.